0: This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast for December 5th, 2020. I'm your host, JB. This podcast is all pro wrestling, and it is only pro wrestling. Tonight's episode, we have a SmackDown review, Death of Pat Patterson. We have a news segment where we talk about Sting and AEW, Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling, and a little Tessa Blanchard speculation. Let's get right to SmackDown. Let's talk about Pat Patterson. Let's talk about the fact that it seems every three weeks now we've got another legend dying. We're starting another WWE program with a title card saying R.I.P. About once a month, we seem to have a stage full of performers that are out there to have a moment of silence and ring the bell a bunch of times. This is a little different. Don't get desensitized. Every time we do this, it's a big deal. But Pat Patterson is, if you can say this without being offensive, this is a more relevant death than other recent deaths. Of legends in pro wrestling because of the role pat patterson played in the wwe family Uh, pat was the first intercontinental champion which he was more than happy to tell everybody about won a tournament down in rio de janeiro brazil but beyond that pat patterson was vince mcmahon's best friend and if you listen to how the 80s and 90s and 2000s wwe was programmed there's usually a story about three guys sitting around vince mcmahon's pool One is Vince McMahon, one is Pat Patterson, and then X. So it's Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and Lex Luger. Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and Macho Man Randy Savage. Pat played a role in Creative, where he helped to script and tell the story in some of the most iconic WWE matches in history. And I'm sure that the network is working on a package right now of matches that Pat Patterson was heavily involved in. Matches that carried a lot of Pat Patterson's influence in the structure and the finish. The network has been gathering uh, biographical testimonials and documentary-style first-person perspective testimonials from people for over a decade now. And if you listen to any of the people that are asked, they'll be asked to go in and talk for two hours about X. They'll be asked to go in and talk for two hours about John Cena, right? So they get there. They ask specifically, how long will I be here? They tell them two hours, and about 90 minutes in, the interviewer says, well, tell us about your opinions and your remembrances of this event. And they get them going, and before you know it, they've been there four hours, and they've got them talking about everything in the world beyond John Cena. These legends, the older they get, the more they like to talk, and so you get people to go in there with the idea they'll talk about one subject, and the WWE just records them talking about every subject. And if Vince is smart, he's collected testimonials on the older guys first. Pat Patterson affected every WWE legend that you know of, and nearly every performer that you've seen come through those doors was influenced by Pat Patterson, had a personal relationship with Pat Patterson. So this isn't just a legend that got brought back into the fold late in life. Pat's a big deal. Pat's Vince's best friend. Pat, as Stephanie says, he's the first openly gay wrestler in pro wrestling. And in an era where we just didn't talk about it, everybody who was a fan of pro wrestling knew that Pat was gay. And everybody in the industry knew that Pat was gay. And even the most homophobic people around just were fine with it because it was part of the WWF and WWE culture. It's, hey, that's Pat. And I think that that's what the gay community was hoping to get all along, is just, hey, that's Pat. Hey, that's that's just a guy. He's just another guy who happens to have this proclivity in his personal life, but it shouldn't affect the way you interact with him professionally or the way you view him and judge him in, in, in any other way. And that's what Pat Patterson earned in the pro wrestling universe. Nobody said, oh, that's Pat, he's gay. They just said, that's Pat. So Pat was a big deal and you know I know that every death of every legend is relevant but this is a more relevant death and this is going to be felt in future you know the effects of this death whether it's on Vince McMahon or on the storytelling they will be felt they will be seen there will be a ripple effect to Pat Patterson's death this one's going to affect everybody who's a fan of the WWE Moving on first segment of SmackDown we have a Roman Reigns heel promo with Paul Heyman and Jay Uso Kevin Owens comes out and challenges Roman Reigns at TLC. Roman leaves. They announce that the main event is going to be Roman and Jey Uso versus Kevin Owens and Otis, or as I like to call it, Team K Otis. I hope to never, ever see this team again. I suppose this team is loosely based on the fact that Jey Uso beat up Otis on the ramp last week, but look, they're just searching for something for Otis to do because they didn't like the effects of the first and second thing they had Otis doing. So no one wanted to see Otis with Mandy Rose, and no one wanted to see Otis with the money in the bank, and I don't want to see Otis teaming with Kevin Owens. How about the common denominator here between all these things that no one wants to see is Otis. Moving on to things, more things no one wants to see, Bailey versus Natalia. Bailey comes out first, and she taps out in six minutes to Natalia's sharpshooter. I don't understand what this is about. Another terrible idea. This is pathetic. This is ridiculous. Natalia's job is to put over young talent. Old man Natty, she's 51 years old, and she's out here getting over on a chick that just held the title for 400 days, and now she comes out a month later, you've got nothing for her to do. So she comes out in a new t-shirt she's trying to show, which absolutely no one's going to buy because she's a heel, and because you had her alienate all of her fans, and she's tapping out to Natalia, which will advance no storyline whatsoever. Terrible. WWE apologists are going to tell you that the purpose was to set up a Bayley and Bianca Belair feud. Bianca Belair was on commentary doing very little. Listen, tapping out to Natalya does nothing to advance a Bianca Belair feud. Bianca didn't involve herself in this match. This was simply Natty squashing someone younger than her to continue to fight for her spot, which is mid-card women's division. It's terrible. She should be in the back. She should be at the performance center training people. But she shouldn't be on television beating a former champion. That's not her role in the company. we got a six-man tag match next, dedicated to Pat Patterson's memory. We have Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, and Big E versus Dolph Ziggler, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Sami Zayn. All of these men are reported to have been intercontinental champions. Does anybody remember Big E being intercontinental champion? No, none of you remember that. But he was, way back in the day. Not the new day, the old day, as it turns out. It was the old day. Come on, that's funny. The old day. Uh, He has a new song. He has a new entrance. He's got a new gimmick. His new gimmick is he uh, tosses powder like he's Kevin Garnett or LeBron James. Okay, that's fine. Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, and Big E win this match. Next up, we have a split-screen promo between Carmella Kardashian and Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is absolutely terrible, still on the microphone. and, And I'm starting to figure out why. I'm analyzing this, why somebody that I find so attractive... I also find to be so terrible every time they put a microphone in front of her. You know what it is? She adds syllables into words and between words, like A's and A's, and they don't belong there. So it's like she's creating new words, either words that end with A or A or, a or begin with A or A, and it's terrible. It's just terrible. I can't believe she still hasn't learned how to cut a promo after all this time. Carmella, on the other hand, much better on the mic, much quicker-witted. And listen, Sasha's probably going to win this match that comes up, and she's probably going to win this chapter of the feud, but Carmella is a better long-term television asset. So in an era where Fox Sports opinion matters, Carmella is a better asset because she's better on television. You can understand what she's saying. Her promos will have a more universal appeal. Next up, we have Murphy with the Mysterio family in a return match against Baron Corbin. With two guys in hoods. Murphy and the Mysterios used heel tactics last week to get over on Baron Corbin. He said he was coming prepared. So what he meant by that apparently was coming with two members of the Forgotten Sons. Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. You know who wasn't there? Uh, Jackson Riker wasn't there. It appears to me that Jackson is still hanging out at a Trump rally or something. But the WWE has said there's no room for him hanging out ringside with Baron Corbin. So he's not here this week. Uh, Dominic Mysterio wearing bright purple. I'm not sure what that's all about or what he's trying to say or if that was even his choice, but somebody decided that Dominic needs to be wearing bright purple this week. Aaliyah Mysterio is still angelic. We're like three weeks into me saying this, and I continue to say that she is the new Miss Elizabeth so long as they don't keep sending her out there next to her brother wearing bright purple. You steal and focus, Dominic. Baron Corbin wins this match with the help of his two friends in Hood's but he wins the match clean. He didn't cheat. He just beat Murphy in the center of the ring. Next up, we have the main event. It's main event Jey Uso with no Roman versus Team Chaos. Now, I know I announced to you earlier that Roman was going to be teaming with Jey. But listen, we also know that Roman's been in therapy. We talked about this last week. So this week, Roman's therapist, you know, he talked to him about what it had occurred last week on SmackDown. And his therapist told him this week, you know, with Thanksgiving and the holidays... It's a good time to create some distance between you and all of these dysfunctional family dynamics. So this week, Roman decided to create that distance in the main event by not coming out to start the match. He left Jay in there by himself against Team K Otis. And of course, Jay got beat up until Roman came out. Roman, outside the ring, when he does arrive, he takes the ring steps to Otis like six times. It was kind of violent and vicious. So Otis, he's out of commission. He then gets in the ring and proceeds to beat both Kevin Owens and his cousin Jay with a steel chair. Telling Jay, you you shouldn't continue to put me in this position, and then grabbing Kevin Owens' beard and promoing for what was way too long, and Kevin Owens thought was way too long, about what he's going to do to him at TLC. Because you grab somebody's beard like that, that hurts, and then you hold it and you jerk them around by the beard for, I don't know, two minutes. And it's going to be hard for them to keep selling the fact that you beat them with a chair, and they're supposed to be knocked out because you're pulling their facial hair and they want to say, ow, stop pulling my facial hair. So that went on for too long. Listen, you keep doing this with Roman and you've got to get the rock. You're really backing yourself into a corner because who's going to come out now? At some point you've made Roman so mean, so unlikable, and so unstoppable that you've got to have a guy who's like running for president that can come knock him down. Because That's about the only guy that could. The only thing I see that you can use to back out of this is you get Samoa Joe off commentary for one more run and he plays the black sheep of the Samoan family and he comes in and and he finally dethrones Roman Reigns in a callback to a feud they had earlier that only lasted one or two matches. So I enjoy that because I've supported Samoa Joe throughout his entire career. I don't think that Vince McMahon supports Samoa Joe in that way, but without The Rock you're really stretching to find somebody who's supposed to come along and believably beat Roman in this feud. You know, Roman with the head of the table, the whole tribe leader, the Samoan thing, you need to find somebody that's sort of connected to that. And I don't know who you find that isn't named Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Samoa Joe is your only other option, so I really hope they manage to convince The Rock cuz they're booking themselves into a corner with this. So we're going to get on to the news segment now. We've You know, all it takes is a guy like Sting showing up on TV, on TNT for the first time in 18 years, and all of a sudden there's rumor and speculation running abound in pro wrestling. You can't make light of Sting showing up in pro wrestling. That is a huge deal. Uh, And you would expect the internet to be blowing up with rumors, and you're going to have a lot of people telling you that this Sting thing shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't expect too much out of it, he's too old, the same way these people are going to tell you that you shouldn't expect too much out of the impact in AEW recent alliance and cross-promotion. I want to tell you this. Sting's around for years. We know that. That was announced on AEW. Anything else is speculation. So I'm not going to report to you about rumors or wrestling podcasters or wrestling journalists' opinions and hopes and fantasy bookings for what should or should not happen. Sting's going to be on TV. Sting's going to be written in the storylines. And Sting's going to be used to promote AEW AEW and anything else that Tony Khan wants Sting to promote. That brings me to a a mysterious tweet out there that Impact Wrestling put out about crowing about something at their next big event. Look, you can expect this from everybody even loosely affiliated with the Sting comeback. So let's move on now and talk about Impact Pro Wrestling. They got themselves a new logo. Impact Pro Wrestling is the new look. It's not just Impact Wrestling. It's Impact Pro Wrestling. Kenny Omega is going to be on Impact Pro Wrestling on Access TV this week. He's going to be there with Don Callis. Don Callis, he's been a writer with Impact Wrestling for a while. He's a great wrestling mind. He's a wrestling legend, in my opinion. And his contract with Impact Wrestling is going to be up soon. Now, I don't know if that means anything. He may have already signed an extension. He may have one on the table. Or he may be looking to go to AEW and be Kenny Omega's full-time manager. I would, I would like that. When Don Callis signed his last contract, AEW was an idea. Now AEW is a powerhouse and it competes with and normally beats Vince McMahon head-to-head on primetime television, so it's a different thing. And Don Callis will be an asset to any company he's with. Now you're going to look online and you're going to find a ton of people saying that this is a loose affiliation, it's a one-off deal, you shouldn't read too much into it. You're going to see people online saying AEW is wasting an opportunity here by allowing Impact to have this publicity. All this is untrue. All of this is unfounded, and this is all being perpetrated and speculated by people that have done nothing but bury Impact Wrestling and TNA Wrestling for years. If you listen to people in the know, Impact Wrestling has something to offer. It always has. But it's easy to make it the butt of jokes, and it becomes a part of this subculture we have. This pro-wrestling subculture is largely fueled by hate. Like a lot of the speech on the internet, it's largely negative. So anything that allows you to take open shots that can kind of get you over by putting somebody else down, that's that's hugely popular. So it's fun to make fun of Impact because no one's going to call you on it. Well, I've been calling people on it since 2015. Now, the last time they were rated a huge talent raid, it was really hard to watch Impact for a while. It was. Uh, when the Hardys left and EC3 left and Mike Bennett, Maria Kanellis left and A lot of people left all at once and it was really hard to watch Impact, but Impact has gotten better. AEW would not be sending their world champion there if it hadn't. So all this hate on the internet right now is from people that want to stay consistent with their past statements and their past behaviors of hating on Impact and hating on TNA and diminishing their overall value to pro wrestling. But TNA and Impact have given people a job who wouldn't have otherwise had a job on television the Rascals who just left Impact a couple of weeks ago that I reported on to all of you here, I was the only podcast to report on the Rascals leaving TNA Impact. They were signed by Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and they're going to be on NXT in a couple of months. And they're not going to have the weed-smoking gimmick, but Hunter loves these guys. Says they got huge upside. He saw them on Impact Wrestling. So, Impact Wrestling has a place. Impact Wrestling has been doing great things for the pro wrestling community for years, whether people watched it or not, and now... AEW is helping to give you a reason to watch. All of these people online talking trash about Impact should be ashamed of themselves. I predicted that access on Impact will have two to three times as many viewers as it averaged the month before with this Kenny Omega Don Callis thing. We haven't seen Don Callis on Impact recently either. We have seen Don Callis on AEW way more often in the last two months than we've seen him on Impact Wrestling. He's not doing commentary anymore. He's not even talked about. So this is going to be a huge moment. If this is beneficial for both companies, we will see a ton of more cross-promotion. If this makes money for AEW, if this gains AEW a bigger social media presence, if it gains them news, they will continue this. And it doesn't matter what the haters say on the internet. If this is mutually beneficial for both companies, that's capitalism. It will continue. The Canadian-Jacksonville-Florida partnership will continue for as long as it helps both companies. So don't read into that speculative nonsense on the internet saying this is a one-off deal. This will continue for as long as it works for both companies. Ringside News reports that AEW has passed on Tessa Blanchard. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar... Tessa Blanchard is the biological daughter of Tully Blanchard, who is the manager right now of the Tag Champions FTR and of Sean Spears. And she was raised by Magnum T.A., who is considered a wrestling legend. And anybody who was around in the 80s thinks Magnum's a great guy. And it would make sense uh, that Tessa would be brought into the AEW fold if it was just about wrestling talent. You can't argue that Tessa Blanchard is one of the most talented female wrestlers in the world. Just former Impact World Champion, Impact Men's World Champion Tessa Blanchard, first woman to hold that title. It's not surprising to me that AEW passed on Tessa Blanchard because they don't want controversy—not the bad kind. Tessa is widely known to be unlikable in the locker room for by her co-workers. She's been accused by multiple female pro wrestlers that she worked with of racism. So AEW passing on Tessa may be a door closing for this chapter of her career. The bright spot, Tessa is that even though you burned all these bridges and no one seems to want to give you a shot at a major promotion, if you wait 25 years, you can make a comeback like your dad did. Like your bio dad, Tully Blanchard, did. He got blacklisted for bad behavior, and then 25 years later he was given an opportunity. So, AEW might not want you now, wait 25 years, they may want you then. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's broadcast. We're going to bring you a special segment this weekend, and then we're going to have Monday Night Raw review for you on Tuesday. It all happens quick. The world of pro wrestling moves fast. You get all of your pro wrestling news, rumors, and event recaps right here on the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast. Subscribe where you listen.